0: Chapter 21, The Plan. And before I start reading this chapter, I'd like you to make a prediction. What do you think this chapter is going to be about? Keep in mind that when we finish the last chapter, the queen had called for the head of the army and the head of the air force to come to her. So they're putting together some kind of a plan, What do you think it's going to be? I'll give you a second to think about it. All right. You got it? Well, keep that in mind as I'm reading today, and at the end, you can think about whether or not your prediction was correct. Here goes. The head of the army and the head of the air force stood at attention beside the queen's breakfast table. Sophie was still in her seat, and the BFG was still high up on his crazy perch. It took the queen only five minutes to explain the situation to the military men. I knew there was something like this going on, Your Majesty," the head of the army said. "For the last ten years, we have been getting reports from nearly every country in the world about people disappearing mysteriously in the night. We had only one—we had one only the other day from Panama. For the hearty taste," cried the VFG. "'And one from Wellington in New Zealand,' said the head of the army. "'For the booty flavor,' cried the BFG. "'What is he talking about?' said the head of the Air Force. "'Work it out for yourself,' the Queen said. "'What time is it?' 10 a.m. In eight hours, those nine bloodthirsty brutes will be galloping off to gobble up another couple of dozen unfortunate wretches. They have to be stopped. We must act fast. We'll bomb the blighters, shouted the head of the Air Force. We'll mow them down, cried the head of the army. I do not approve of murder, the Queen said. "'But they are murderers themselves,' cried the head of the army. "'That is no reason why we should follow their example,' the queen said. "'Two wrongs don't make a right, and two rights don't make a left,' cried the BFG. "'We must bring them back alive,' the queen said. "'How?' the two military men said together. "'They are all fifty feet high. They'd knock us down like ninepins.' "'Wait!' cried the B.F.G. "'Hold your horseflies! Keep your skirts on! "'I think I has the answer to the maiden's hair!' "'Let him speak!' the Queen said. "'Every afternoon,' the B.F.G. said, "'all these giants is in the land of Noddy!' "'I can't understand a word this fellow says!' "'The head of the army snapped. "'Why doesn't he speak clearly?' "'He means the land of Nod,' Sophie said. "'It's pretty obvious.' "'Exoncly!' cried the B.F.G. "'Every afternoon all these nine giants is lying on the ground snoozling away in a very deep sleep. "'They is always resting like that before they is galloping off to guzzle another helping of human beings.' "'Go on,' they said. "'So what?' "'So what you soldiers has to do is to creep up to the giants "'while they is still in the land of Noddy "'and tie their arms and legs with mighty ropes and wonking chains.' "'Brilliant,' the Queen said. "'That's all very well,' said the head of the army. "'But how do we get the brutes back here? "'We can't load fifty-foot giants onto trucks. "'Shoot them on the spot, that's what I say.' The BFG looked down from his lofty perch and said this to the head of the Air Force. You was having belly poppers, is you not? Is he being rude, the head of the Air Force said. He means helicopters, Sophie told him. Then why doesn't he say so? Of course we have helicopters. Wopsy big belly poppers, asked the BFG. "'Very big ones,' the head of the Air Force said proudly. "'But no helicopter is big enough to get a giant like that inside it.' "'You do not put him inside,' the BFG said. "'You sling him underneath the belly of your belly popper and carry him like a portido.' "'Like a what?' said the head of the Air Force. "'Like a torpedo,' Sophie said. "'Could you do that, Air Marshal?' the Queen asked.' "'Well, I I, I suppose we could,' the head of the Air Force admitted, grudgingly. "'Then get cracking,' the Queen said. "'You'll need nine helicopters, one for each giant.' "'Where is this place?' the Air Force man said to the BFG. "'I presume you can pinpoint it on the map.' "'Pinpoint,' said the BFG. "'Map?' I was never hearing these words before. Has this Air Force been talking slush bungle? The Air, Force mar- the Air Marshal's face turned the color of a ripe plum. He was not used to being told he was talking slush bungle. The Queen, with her usual admirable tact and good sense, came to the rescue. BFG, she said, can you tell us more or less where this giant country is? No, Magister, the BFG said, not on my nelly. Inward jiggered, cried the army general. This is ridiculous, cried the air marshal. You must not be giving up so easy, the BFG said calmly. The first titchy bobsticle you meet and you begin shouting you is biff squiggled. The army general was no more used to being insulted than the air marshal. His face began to swell with fury, and his cheeks blew out until they looked like two huge ripe tomatoes. "'Your Majesty,' he cried, "'we are dealing with a lunatic. I want nothing more to do with this ridiculous operation.'" The queen, who was used to the tantrums of her senior officials, ignored him completely bfg she said would you please tell these rather dim-witted characters exactly what to do a pleasure magister said the bfg now listen to me carefully you two boot bogglers the military men began to twitch but they stayed put i is not having the foggiest idea where giant country is in the world the bfg said "'But I is always able to gallop there. "'I is galloping forthwards and backwards from giant country "'every night to blow my dreams into little Chiddler's bedrooms. "'I is knowing the way very well. "'So all you is having to do is this. "'Put your nine big belly hoppers up on the air "'and let them follow me as I is galloping along.' "'How long will the journey take?' the queen asked. If we are leaving now,' the B.F.G. said. "'We will be arriving just as the Giants is having their afternoon snozzle.' "'Splendid!' said the Queen. "'Then, turning to the two military men, she said, "'Prepare to leave immediately!' "'The head of the army, who was feeling pretty miffed by the whole business, said, "'That's all very well, Your Majesty. "'But what are we going to do with the blighters once we've got them back?' ''Don't you worry about that,'' the Queen told him. ''We'll be ready for them. Hurry up now. Off you go.'' ''If it pleases your Majesty,'' Sophie said, ''I should like to ride with the BFG to keep him company.'' ''Well, will you sit?'' asked the Queen. ''In his ear,'' Sophie said. ''Show them, BFG.'' The BFG got down from his high chair. He picked Sophie up in his fingers. He swiveled his huge right ear until it was parallel with the ground. Then he placed Sophie gently inside it. The heads of the army and the air force stood there goggling. The queen smiled. You really are a rather wonderful giant, she said. Magister, the BFG said, I was wishing to ask a very special thing from you. What is it? the queen said. Could I please bring back here in the belly poppers all my collection of dreams? They is taking me years and years to collect, and I is not wanting to lose them. Why, of course, the queen said. I wish you a safe journey. And that is the end of the chapter. So, oh, actually, I was wrong. There's a little bit more. Okay, here we go. The BFG had made thousands of journeys to and from giant country over the years. But he had never in his life made one quite like this, with nine huge helicopters roaring along just over his head. He had never before traveled in broad daylight either. He hadn't dared to, but this was different. Now he was doing it for the Queen of England herself, and he was frightened of nobody. As he galloped across the British British Isles with the helicopters thundering above him, people stood and gaped and wondered what on earth was going on. They had never seen the likes of it before, and they never would again. Every now and then, the pilots of the helicopters would catch a glimpse of a small girl wearing glasses, crouching in the giant's right ear and waving to them. They always waved back. The pilots marveled at the giant's speed and at the way he leapt across wide rivers and over huge houses, but they hadn't seen anything yet. Be careful to hang on tight, the BFG said. We is going fast as a fizzle crump. The BFG changed into his famous top gear, and all at once he began to fly forward as though there were springs in his legs and rockets in his toes. He went skimming over the earth like some magical hop, skip, and jumper, with his feet hardly ever touching the ground. As usual, Sophie had to crouch low in the crevice of his ear to save herself from being swept clean away. The nine pilots and their helicopters suddenly realized they were being left behind. The giant was streaking ahead. They opened their throttles to full speed, and even then were only just able to keep up. In the leading machine, the head of the Air Force was sitting beside the pilot. He had a world atlas on his knees, and he kept staring first at the atlas, then at the ground below, trying to figure out where they were going. Frantically, he turned the pages of the atlas. "'Where the devil are we going?' he cried. "'I haven't the foggiest idea,' the pilot answered. "'The Queen's orders were to follow the giant, and that's exactly what I'm doing.' The pilot was a young Air Force officer with a bushy mustache. He was very proud of his mustache. He was also quite fearless, and he loved adventure. He thought this was a super-adventure.' It's fun going to new places. New places? shouted the head of the Air Force. What the places? Do you mean new places? This place we're flying over now isn't in the Atlas, is it? The pilot said, grinning. You're darn right it isn't in the Atlas, cried the head of the Air Force. We've flown clear off the last page. I expect that old giant knows where he's going, the young pilot said. "'He's leading us to a disaster!' cried the head of the Air Force. He was shaking with fear. In the seat behind him sat the head of the army, who was even more terrified. "'You don't mean to tell me we've gone right out of the Atlas?' he cried, leaning forward to look. "'That's exactly what I'm telling you!' cried the Air Force man. "'Look for yourself! Here's the very last map on the whole flaming Atlas! "'We went off that over an hour ago!' He turned the page. As in all atlases, there were two completely blank pages at the very end. "'So now we must be somewhere here,' he said, putting a finger on one of the blank pages. "'Where's here?' cried the head of the army. The young pilot was still grinning broadly. He said to them, "'That's why they always put two blank pages at the back of the atlas. They're for the new countries. you meant to fill them in yourself.' The head of the Air Force glanced down at the ground below. Just look at this godforsaken desert, he cried. All the trees are dead and all the rocks are blue. The giant has stopped, the young pilot said. He's waving us down. The pilots throttled back the engines and all nine helicopters landed safely on the great yellow wasteland. Then each of them lowered a ramp from its belly. Nine jeeps, one from each helicopter, were driven down the ramps. Each jeep contained six soldiers and a vast quantity of thick rope and heavy chains. I don't see any giants, the head of the army said. The giants is all just out of sight over there, the BFG told him. But if you was taking these slosh-buckling, noisy belly-poppers any closer, all the giants is waking up at once and then pop goes a weasel. So you want us to proceed by jeep? The head of the army said. Yes, said the BFG, but you must all be very, very hushy quiet. No roaring of motors, no shouting, no mucking about, no piggery jokery. The BFG, with Sophie still in his ear, trotted forward and the jeeps followed close behind. Suddenly, the most dreadful rumbling noise was heard by everyone. The head of the army went pea green in the face those are guns he cried there's a battle raging somewhere up ahead of us turn back the lot of you let's get out of here big swiffle the bfg said those noises is not guns of course they're guns shouted the head of the army i'm a military man and i know a gun when i hear one turn back those is just the giant snortling in their sleep the BFG said. I is a giant myself, and I know a giant snortle when I is hearing one. Are you quite sure? The army man said anxiously. Positive, the BFG said. Proceed cautiously, the army man ordered. They all moved on. Then they saw them. Even at a distance, they were enough to scare the daylights out of the soldiers, But when they got close and saw what the giants really looked like, they began to sweat with fear. Nine fearsome, ugly, fifty-foot-long brutes lay sprawled over the ground in various grotesque attitudes of sleep, and the sound of their snoring was indeed like gunfire in a battle. The BFG raised a hand. The jeeps all stopped. The soldiers got out. What happens if one of them wakes up? "'whispered the head of the army, his knees knocking together from fear. "'If any of them is waking up, he will gobble you down before you can say knock, Jife, "'The BFG answered, grinning hugely. "'Me is the only one that won't be gobbled up, because giants is never eating giants. "'Me and Sophie is the only safe ones, because I is hiding her if that happens.' The head of the army took several paces to the rear. So did the head of the air force. They climbed rather quickly back into their jeep, ready to make a fast getaway if necessary. Go forward, men, the head of the army said. Go forward and do your duty bravely. The soldiers crept forward with their ropes and chains. All of them were trembling mightily. None dared speak a word. The BFG, with Sophie now sitting on the palm of his hand, stood nearby watching the operation. To give the soldiers their due, they were extremely courageous. There were six well-trained, efficient men working on each giant, and within ten minutes, eight out of nine giants had been trussed up like chickens and were st- still snoring contented- contentedly. The ninth, who happened to be the flesh-lump-eater, was causing trouble for the soldiers because he was lying with his right arm tucked underneath his enormous body. It was impossible to tie his wrists and arms together without first getting that arm out from underneath him. Very, very cautiously, the six soldiers who were working on the flesh lump eater began to pull at the huge arm, trying to release it. The flesh lump eater opened his tiny piggy black eyes which of you foul pesters is wiggling my arm he bellowed is that you you rotsome man hugger suddenly he saw the soldiers in a flash he was sitting up he looked around him he saw more soldiers with a roar he leapt to his feet the soldiers petrified with fear froze where they were they had no weapons with them the head of the army put his jeep into reverse Human beans, the flesh slump eater yelled. What is all you flush-punking, rotsome, half-baked beans doing in our country? He made a grab at a soldier and swept him up in his hand. I is having early suppers today, he shouted, holding the poor squirming soldier, soldier at arm's length and roaring with laughter. <laughs> Sophie, standing on the palm of the BFG's hand, was watching, horror-struck. Do something, she cried. Quick, before he eats him! Put that human being down, the BFG shouted. The flesh lump-eater turned and stared at the BFG. What is you doing here with all these grotty twiglets, he bellowed. You was making me very suspicious. The BFG made a rush at the flushed lump eater, but the colossal 54-foot-high giant simply knocked him over with a flick of his free arm. At the same time, Sophie fell off the BFG's palm onto the ground. Her mind was racing. She must do something. She must. She must. She remembered the sapphire brooch the queen had pinned onto her chest. Quickly, she undid it. I is guzzling you nice and slow, the flesh lump eater was saying to the soldier in his hand. Then I is guzzling ten or twenty more of you midgy little maggots down there. You is not getting away from me because I is galloping fifty times faster than you. Sophie ran up behind the flesh lump eater. She was holding the brooch between her fingers. When she was right up close... To his great hairy legs, she rammed the three-inch-long pin of the brooch as hard as she could into the flesh lump eater's right ankle. It went deep into the flesh and stayed there. The giant gave a roar of pain and jumped high in the air. He, jumped the sol- he dropped the soldier and made a grab for his ankle. The BFG, knowing what a coward the flesh lump eater was, saw his chance. "'You was bitten by a snake,' he shouted. "'I seed it biting you. "'It was a frightsome, poisonous viper. "'It was a dreadly, dungeoner, dangerous, vince Green viper.' "'Save our souls,' bellowed the flesh lump "'Sound the crumpets. "'I is bitten by a septious, venomsome some viper.' "'He flopped to the ground and sat there howling his head off "'and clutching his ankle with both hands.' His fingers felt the brooch. The teeth of the dreadly viper is still sticking into me, he yelled. I is feeling the teeth sticking into my anklet. The BFG saw his second chance. We must be getting those viper's teeth out at once, he cried. Otherwise you was deader than duck soup. I is helping you. The BFG knelt down beside the flesh lump eater. You must grab your anklet very tight with both hands, he ordered. That will stop the poisonous juices from the Vansom Viper going up your leg and into your heart. The flesh lump eater grabbed his ankle with both hands. Now close your eyes and gruddle your teeth and look up to heaven and say your prayers while I is taking out the teeth of the Vansom Viper, the BFG said. The terrified Flesh Lump Eater did exactly as he was told. The BFG signaled for some rope. A soldier rushed it over to him. With both the Flesh Lump Eater's hands gripping his ankle, it was a simple matter for the BFG to tie the ankles and hands together with a tight knot. "'I is pulling out the frightsome viper's teeth,' the BFG said as he pulled the knot tight. "'Do it quickly!' "'shouted the flesh lump-eater, "'before I is prisoned to death.' "'There we is,' said the BFG, standing up. "'You can look now.' "'When the flesh lump-eater saw "'that he was trussed up like a turkey, "'he gave a yell so loud that the heavens trembled. "'He rolled and he wriggled, "'he fought and he figgled, "'he squirmed and he squiggled, "'but there was not a thing he could do. "'Well done, you,' Sophie cried, Well done, you, said the BFG, smiling down at the little girl. You was saving all of our lives. Will you please get that brooch back for me, Sophie said. It belongs to the queen. The BFG pulled the beautiful brooch out of the flesh lump eater's ankle. The flesh lump eater howled. The BFG wiped the pin and handed it back to Sophie. Curiously, not one of the other eight snoring giants had woken up during this schmazel. "'When you was only sleeping one or two hours a day, you was sleeping extra doubly deep,' the BFG explained. The heads of the army and the Air Force drove forward once again in their jeep. "'Her Majesty will be very pleased with me,' the head of the army said. "'I shall probably get a medal. What's the next move?' Now you are all driving over to my cave to load up my bottles of dreams, the BFG said. We can't waste time with that rubbish, the army general said. It is the queen's order, Sophie said. She was now back on the BFG's hand. So the nine jeeps drove across to the BFG's cave, and the great dream-loading operation began. There were 50,000 jars in all to be loaded up, more than 5,000 to each jeep and it took over an hour to finish the job. While the soldiers were loading the dreams, the BFG and Sophie disappeared over the mountains on a mysterious errand. When they came back, the BFG had a sack the size of a small house slung over his shoulder. What's that you've got in there? The head of the army demanded to know. Curiosity is killing the rat, the BFG said, and he turned away from the silly man. When he was sure that all his precious dreams had been safely loaded onto the jeeps, the BFG said, Now we is driving back to the belly poppers and picking up the frightsome giants. The jeeps drove back to the helicopters. The 50,000 dreams were carried carefully, jar by jar, onto the helicopters. The soldiers climbed back on board, but the BFG and Sophie stayed on the ground. Then they all returned to where the nine giants were lying. It was a fine sight to see them, these great air machines hovering over the trussed-up giants. It was an even finer sight to see the giants being woken up by the terrific thundering of the engines overhead. And the finest sight of all was to observe those nine hideous brutes squirming and twisting about on the ground like a mass of mighty snakes as they tried to free themselves from their ropes and chains. "'I is flesh-bunkled!' roared the flesh-lump-eater. "'I is spizz-wiggled!' yelled the child-chewer. "'I is swog-swalloped!' bellowed the bone-cruncher. "'I is goose-groggled!' howled the man-hugger. "'I is cancel swiped shouted the meat-dripper. "'I is frunk-gungled!' screamed the maid-masher. "'I is slop-groggled!' squawked the gizzard-gulper. I oh, is yes, crud-squinkled, yowled the blood-butler. I oh, is yes, bump mugged. screeched the butcher-boy. The nine giant-carrying helicopters each chose a separate giant and hovered directly over him. Very strong steel hawsers with hooks on the ends of them were lowered from the front and rear of each helicopter. The BFG quickly secured the hooks to the giant's chains, one hook near the legs and the other near the arms. Then very slowly, the giants were witched up into the air, parallel with the ground. The giants roared and bellowed, but there was nothing they could do. The BFG, with Sophie once more resting comfortably in his ear, set off at a gallop for England. The helicopters all banked around and followed after him. It was an amazing spectacle, those nine helicopters winging through the sky, each with a trussed-up, fifty-foot-long giant slung underneath it. The giants themselves must have found it an interesting experience. They never stopped bellowing, but their howls were drowned by the noise of the engines." When it began to get dark, the helicopter switched on powerful searchlights and trained them on the galloping giant so as to keep him in sight. They flew right through the night and arrived in England just as dawn was breaking. So that is the end of the chapter. And remember, at the beginning of the chapter, I asked you to make a prediction about what you thought might happen. I'd like you to take a moment now to think about, was your prediction correct? If not, what what really happened? And then when you're done with that, find a grown-up or a friend, someone nearby, that you could explain what happened in this chapter called The Plan. All right. Uh, The next time I read, the next chapter will be called Feeding Time. And you can be thinking about what that chapter might be about. Hope you're well. Until next time.